it's so rare that brands thank customers for being a, a loyal customer or being like a multiple purchaser. And I don't know, I think in this world, a little bit of gratitude goes a really long way. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. It is going to be phenomenal. We don't get a chance to interview people in the nonprofit world as much as I would like to. And recently, I had a chance to meet Katie Bisbee, who's the Chief Marketing Officer and EVP at Partnerships at Donors Choose. And they have had an incredible ride. I think Katie was uh, the keynote speaker at the ABMEs uh, when we did the Flip My Phone conference in Boston. The audio over there was too bad, so I didn't, I, I didn't want to use an audio. So we said, let's just record another session because it's so good. And one of the things that she has been with Donor Choose for about 12 years now, and she's been with nonprofit, for-profit, all over the place. And I was reading one of the stats that says for 2017, they were the best nonprofit to work for, which is just incredible. So, so congratulations on that. And, and then the, the stat that I want everybody to think about, I thought nonprofit is like, oh, Cute, amazing, great, good for you. But Katie has been sharing with me some stats. Like they went from you know six million 12 years ago when she started to like this year around 150 million. I want people to think that that's like you you can be a you know two-time public company by the time you're done. We in the in the profit world, if you hit a million dollar, you're high-fiving. And this company has gone in the last 12 years from six million to 150 million, and, and she runs marketing, sales, partnerships. She was, just talking, she was just at a board meeting. So all that to say is that this is not a, this podcast is not going to be about, hey, nonprofit, you know, fun things. This is a real company, do real stuff, real business metrics, real board meetings, real numbers to hit, and they're doing a fine, good job. So Katie, with that introduction, I, I just wanted to welcome you to the show, and, and, and as you introduce and add more color to what I just said, share a fun fact about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on Flip My Funnel. It's such an honor. Fun fact, so the one I, I usually use is that I speak Bambara, which is a, a West African language. I lived in Mali, West Africa for six months in college, and my family only spoke Bambara, so I had to learn it fluently within, within a couple of weeks of getting there. Wow. How long were you there? Six months. Six months total? Wow. So you just have to like, you just figure out, were you fluent at that point? Are you fluent still? I, I mean, I was fluent. This was a long time ago. It was just, it was 100% immersion. So it's probably the best way to learn a language quickly. And I definitely, I, I'm not fluent right now, but I remember a lot of the, the greetings and the repetitive things we said. That is awesome. Could you say a word in it? Uh, just for the context, maybe just hello. I don't know what it says. Hello or what? Yeah. Any Sokoma and Togo Bintu, that's right. well, morning. Well, somebody is listening who might give us, a, give us a shout out back, so that was fun. Right. All right, so Katie, as I shared, did I miss some, I'm sure I missed a lot, but is there something you want to share as part of your introduction of like, you know, we, we talked about nonprofit and for-profit, and you have educated me on like, look, it is it is same if not harder on the nonprofit and startup world as you think about it. What is your 
view on for-profit versus non-profit and your role in it? Yeah, I mean, thank you for recognizing that we run a real business and and we take marketing and sales really seriously. I think, you know, just to kind of set the stage about where we're similar and where we're different than for-profit. So when we think about branding and awareness as a part of our work, we think probably more like nonprofit organization than a for-profit. So for example, we have to be totally transparent about how we conduct our business to gain a really high level of trust with our donors, how we serve our beneficiaries, what it costs us to do that, how efficiently we do it is deeply linked to our brand. The other thing is we have to tell our story in an emotional way that really tugs people's heartstrings and feels deeply personal. But when we think about the rest of the marketing funnel, acquisition, conversion, retention, we think more like an e-commerce or B2B sales company than a traditional nonprofit. Like you said, like our, my team's goal is dollars to kids, dollars to classrooms. With B2C, this means getting someone to go on our website, pick a classroom project to fund, pull out their wallet, make a transaction. It's classic e-commerce. And with B2B marketing, that means inspiring a company or a foundation to support classroom projects in our site in a way that matches that company's goals and gives them the outcome they want. Yeah, so, so that, that part of the business is, I, there's very little difference from for-profit, except that I don't have an advertising budget. <laughs> well, you probably should. It, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially as you gave a keynote at ABMEs. And, and again, a lot of people were touched. A lot of people came back and said, wow, that was such an incredible, it opened a lot of people's eyes thinking about what nonprofit means. So, uh, yeah, it was just great insights. You, you shared something, and I would love if you could share just, just what Donor Shoes does and kind of the founding story of it, because I think that's, that itself is inspiring. And then I would love to dive into how does marketing work? Or how do you see marketing at, at a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so DonorsShoes.org was founded 18 years ago uh, by Charles Best, who was a public school teacher in the Bronx. And he and his fellow teachers would spend a lot of their own money on copy paper and pencils, and still their students didn't have the materials they needed to learn. So Charles would would spend a lot of time in the teacher's lunchroom talking about the books he wanted his students to read, uh, the field trips he wanted them to take, the art projects he wanted them to do, if only he had the budget. And, you know, he also felt that there were individuals out there who wanted to help classrooms but didn't have an easier, direct way to do it. So he created DonorsChoose.org to help teachers get what they needed for their classrooms. And to explain the model really quickly, teachers, any U.S. public school teacher can go onto our site and request anything from books to microscopes, even a field trip to the zoo. And we vet and verify every single project. And then donors can come and give to the project that inspires them. And then we don't send cash to the teachers. We actually purchase the supplies they requested and ship them to the classroom. And then we close the loop with donors. Uh, The teachers send thank you notes to the donors. So it's really quite an operational lift for us. But there's a lot of accountability and transparency and safeguards built into the process. That's incredible. And can you share what is your marketing sale? Because you have marketing and sales and partnerships reporting into you. So how does your org look like today? Yeah, so to break down the $150 million last year we raised in donations, just under half of that came from hundreds of thousands of individuals giving $25 and $50 on our website. And the other, a little over half came from 
companies and foundations giving six and seven figure gifts to our organization. And so that's how revenue is split. In terms of the team, we've got a team focused on the e-commerce B2C and we've got a team focused on the B2B. And as you can imagine, the B2B team is larger since that work is is not as easy to scale. And then kind of right in the middle of those two teams, we have our brand and communications team, which supports raising awareness of the organization and also helping us reach all of our audiences. That's great. Is there a big challenge that you're facing in your organization as you are leading? You know, has, you've been obviously seen so many things now. You've been there for 12 years. Obviously had a great run so far from going, taking it from 6 million, raising 6 million to 150 million. That's a dream. And you were just sharing with me before, like, hey, you just were wrapping up with a board meeting. Is there something that you are, as a company, as a team, focusing on for like 2018, 2019? Mm. Yeah, you know, one of our topics at the board meeting yesterday is, so we serve about, we have teachers in 75% of U.S. public schools requesting resources on our site, and they are predominantly our country's highest poverty schools, but we want to serve more teachers, and we want to serve those teachers that need the help the most, and it's really, it's tough to kind of get into the nooks and crannies across the country of the areas of the highest need. And while we do have a lot of rural teachers, we want more. And yeah, it's just a challenge as a really lean, digital, highly scaled organization to try to think through how to reach those teachers that need the help the most. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, again, it's, it's something where, I don't know if you, do you have targets as you normally hear in nonprofits saying that, all right, this year it has to be, you know, last year it was 150. So this year we have to be like 160 or 180. Like how, how do you look at those and how do you manage to them? Yeah. So yeah, we definitely have targets just like any business for sure. And so we have, I think probably our three targets we have that all work in step together because we're a marketplace. We have a revenue target. We have a target for the number of teachers using our site. And then we have a target for what we call teacher success rate. And that's the percentage of teachers who post a project on our site who get a project funded. And so I don't have the best analogy, but if you think of it as pulling levers, uh, if every teacher in America posted a project today on our site, we probably wouldn't have enough funding to cover all of those. So our teacher success rate would drop. So we want to make sure if we have strong teacher growth that we're doing a lot of fundraising. And I don't know, in terms of how we manage towards those, I mean, you know, we have a dashboard that goes out to our entire organization every morning at 6 a.m. that has, you know, all of our key metrics on it. Every day. Every single day. It's my, it's like the email I open first thing in the morning before I even read the news. Um, I don't think most for-profit organizations, like we do here at Terminus, we do a weekly update to the company. And even that, is not what I hear from other companies who do that. So that it just shows how intentional you and your organization is around the numbers that matter because, you know, the very first point when you talked about transparency and everything has to be linked and everything has to be accounted for, that just clearly shows the reason why you might be doing that. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a big dashboard, a big TV screen in our office that has, you know, has the running totals for the day. It's updated every couple of minutes. It has the projects that are getting the most funding that day. We share it at our monthly all hands meeting. We obviously share it with the board. So yeah, we're pretty on top of the numbers. (laughs) That is awesome. Now you shared something around like you said, three things, revenue target, 
teachers, number of teachers, and teacher success rate. And if I compare that to for-profit, I would say the revenue target is the same. It's typically teachers would be like, you know, number of customers, and your teacher success rate would be almost like retention of those customers for us. Because one of the things that kills businesses is that your customers are not there. They're just signing a contract, and then after three months, six months, annual, whatever the contract term is, they don't renew. And then that just means that you're not able to make them successful. So, so I feel like that's what I equate to is that you're pretty much very similar. And, and I, I talk about this all the time is that if there was one metric that was important of all three of them was the success rate. How many of our customers are actually seeing success because they will tell other customers they will be, we have already spent the money to acquire that customer, so it's much cheaper to keep them if we can innovate on it and it may make them successful. I'd rather have, you know, for every you know, $2, $2 that I create new, I would rather have that $2 that I've already created not lose any of that. So I would, I would always tier uh, the entire organization as much as possible towards the teacher success rate, like in our case, customer success rate, win rate, but more importantly, how do we keep them happy and successful and make sure they're renewing than the revenue? Is that similar to what you might be thinking about? Yeah, and, and I think the reason why we choose the teacher is, which is almost our beneficiary, you know, same thing as a customer. The reason why we choose the teacher to watch so carefully is for all of the reasons you said, plus our entire mission is to make sure teachers are getting what they need. We also do look really closely at the donor return rate. We actually purposely don't call it a renewal rate because no one's signing a contract. No one's actually getting a pair of shoes in the mail when they make a donation or a cool gadget for their kitchen. Like this is totally out of the goodness of people's heart that they're donating. So we've had a debate and agreed that we're not going to call it return rate. We're going to, or renewal rate. We're going to call it return rate. So one in four of our donors come back and give again. And um, I'm actually curious to hear what you think, if that, if that surprises you, if you think that's high or if you think that's low. Well, I mean, if you think about, if I consider a donor as a customer, then I would say in a for-profit board, it would not be as great because that mm-hmm. just means that you only have 25% of your customers renewing. And on an average, the best in class would want 90%. So that's what we are striving for, that we want to have at least 90% renewal rate on our customers because the cost of acquisition is so high, it, it would cripple a company if your retention, if, if a for-profit retention rate drops below 50% or so. But yeah. for you, you have two different customers. So you have your donors' customers that you share, like 50% comes from them, and then your foundation. Is there a difference between what the renewal, or the better word for that one, for foundation renewal rate versus a donor? Yeah, so our corporate and foundation return rate is 90%. See, there you go. Yeah. And there are, and then it's our individual donor giving, which is, which is one in four, 25%. And as a reminder, these are, they may be giving $5, they may be giving $25. And so, We've actually done some comparing across other crowdfunding sites, and we have a we think our feedback loop that we give donors, which is pretty pretty unique, I think, in the nonprofit space and in the crowdfunding space, yeah. does a pretty good job of of hooking donors and and bringing them back in. Yeah, I um, think so. Important. Obviously, we'll always strive. Like we're always working really hard on that donor return rate. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. I feel like that's where nonprofit, I think in many cases, get a bad rep because 
people just don't know where the money goes. And, and then they, that's why they don't do it. And it goes a long way to tell them like, well, look, here's where your money went. And I feel like that's where companies like Charity Water and, you know, free donors choose. I think you guys are doing much better than some other charities who have great intentions, but not logistically, they're not helping donors recognize where the money is going. Definitely. And, you know, to, to bring it back to similarities between non and for profit, our, one of the main reasons why we think our donor return rate is as high as it is, is because we focus so much on personalization. And once someone's given and we know what their interest areas are and, you know, what their zip code is, we will serve them up classroom projects down the street from where they live. Oh, wow. If they searched for calculators or microscopes or jazz music, we will find a classroom project of a music teacher requesting a trumpet like yeah. down the street in a high poverty, in the closest high poverty community to where they live. And so, yeah, that the personalization for us is really, we think is really key. And we really look to, we look to the best in class e-commerce companies to strive for recommendation engines that would be as good as theirs. Totally. So we can geek out on this all day long, but we try to keep our podcast about 15, 20 minutes. So I'm going to try to summarize two or three because there are just so many as I took a ton of notes on this, and I'd love for you to, to Katie, to share a challenge with everybody who's listening, because I think a lot of people who are listening are in leadership roles, and they, they're trying to make a difference. They're trying to figure things out. So I'd love to see and hear your challenge for them. So here are the, the top three things. Number one, you started with, with the notion that as a nonprofit, you have to create an organization and culture of high transparency. And you supported that by sharing that, hey, a dashboard goes to everyone in the company every single day. And, and I would think and venture out to say that that should be the way every organization should operate, not just nonprofits. So I think you made me, you inspired me to think about this in our own organization. Like, how do we make this not a weekly thing or not an all-hands thing, but really a daily thing? So I think you made me think on that for sure. The second thing you said was, you know, you guys focus on where you kind of said this might be different than B2B or for-profit is the story, the emotional aspect of it, because you have to have the emotional hook to get it. And I would say more now than ever is that, well, that's how humans work. We have to be emotionally. I would even say that even in B2B purchases, I know that I've not bought from companies that I've felt like those are not great companies. And, and that's just how I am. And then I will rationalize everything and prove that it's not a good buying decision and then go and buy something else. At the same time, there's this obviously famous quote, nobody got fired from buying from IBM. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so there's both those combinations, but I feel like more and more people are recognizing that people buy from people and they would, they, people trust people. And if it's, there's an emotional connection where you, you feel like you're part of a movement, you would join in and you would do, and you would give them that extra leg to kind of stand on. So, so I feel like that emotional thing is coming back into B2B and I love that you've been at Flip My Follow. That's kind of, you know, my way of thinking about things. And the last but not the least, this is something really important for everybody to think about is personalization, as you shared. I think B2B would do well if they think about personalization as the key aspect. The greatest personalization that most B2B companies unfortunately do are like, hello, and then the name of the person. And, and that's not truly personalization. That's just probably a script somewhere running. But 
the way you are looking at it is like you're doing deeper data analysis to figure out who they are, where they live, what are their interests, and then making sure that the ads or the messages that you're serving them are really, really what they would care for, increasing that uh, that rate for you. I think there's a lot of lessons for every single person listening to it and, and their own jobs to do. So those are the top three for me. I love to hear your challenge to everybody. You know, yeah, my challenge is uh, we think about gratitude all the time as a part of our model. I think about it as a leader, how to show gratitude to my team. And as an organization, we think about how to show gratitude to our donors and our teachers all the time. And it's so rare that brands thank customers for being a, a loyal customer or being like a multiple purchaser. And I don't know, I think in this world, a little bit of gratitude goes a really long way. And I think it could be really powerful if corporate brands were thinking about showing gratitude to their customers. I love that. I love that. I simply love that. I, I think it is one of those really felt like nice to do, but probably the most powerful thing, as you said, to do on a regular basis. So thanks for the reminder to me and everybody. So Giddy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.